In the celebration of Advent, we are answering the question, who is Jesus? Our text for this series is Hebrews chapter 1. Last week, Pastor Cruz led us in a consideration of Hebrews chapters, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And so last week we saw that God had spoken to the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, God had spoken to us through his Son. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, Long ago and at many times, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in his last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he created the world. The main theme of Hebrews chapter 1 is that the Son's revelation of God is far superior to that of the prophets. We are to be amazed that God would speak to us through his Son. And so Jesus is a far superior uh, revelator of God than are the prophets. And the question is, why? Well, today we learn it is because Jesus Christ is the very manifestation of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. So this morning, I'm going to unpack that phrase. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. That phrase is actually incredibly full of meaning, so much so that I can only skim the surface this morning. It is pregnant with so many thoughts that are developed throughout the Old Testament and into the New. Uh, so this morning, we're going to be looking at quite a few portions of Scripture. I apologize for that. You're going to have to uh, work a little bit to stay with me. But uh, I encourage you to do so, for I believe it will be worthwhile in the end. We're going to begin by looking at Exodus chapter 33. If you would turn with me there. Exodus 33. And we begin by looking at the Old Testament passage that is very helpful in understanding the glory of God. Exodus chapter 33. When Moses was on the top of Mount Sinai, receiving instruction from God, and was charged to do some very difficult things, Moses desired to know God more intimately. If Moses was going to deliver the people of God, he needed to know God more intimately. And so starting with verse 13 of Exodus chapter 33, we read, Now therefore, this is Moses talking to God, If I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not that you're going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. When God responds positively to Moses, Moses expands on his request and ask God to reveal God's glory to Moses, verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. 
He wanted to see God in his fullness. He wanted to see God in his majesty. He wanted to see God in his greatness. He wanted to see God high and lifted up. And so he says, show me your glory. God's response to Moses is that Moses is unable to fully look upon the glory of God and live. Verse 20. But he said, you cannot see my face, for men shall not see me and live. Like looking on the brightness of the sun, man will go blind. To fully see the glory of God, God says, would result in your death. You couldn't handle it. You couldn't take it. Therefore, God will graciously, partially reveal his glory to Moses. If you look at verse 21, it says, The Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's a poetic way of saying, you will see my glory partially, but not fully. We'll examine exactly what Moses saw later in the message. But rather, right now, we're going to consider the effect that seeing God's glory had upon Moses. As a result of seeing the glory of God, Moses himself now reflected the glory of God. Turn with me to the next chapter, Exodus chapter 34. And I'm going to be starting at verse 29. We find that Moses' face shone when he came down from the mount to deliver the Ten Commandments. Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Note that the reason that Moses' face shines is told in the end of verse 29 that it is because he had been talking with God. As a result of Moses' face shining, the people were afraid of Moses, verse 13. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near to him. They hadn't seen such a thing. It was such a remarkable situation that Moses' face is shining in such an unusual way that they're afraid of Moses. So Moses then put a veil over his face. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, but Moses summoned them to hear what God had told him. Verse 31. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him of Mount Sinai. So God had made Moses' face shine to show that Moses had been with God and to authenticate the message that God was giving through Moses, to let the people know that what Moses was speaking was truth and that he was representing God. After this, Moses put a veil over his face so the people would not see that eventually his face would no longer shine. Verse 33. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Now our text here doesn't tell us why that happens, but the New Testament does. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome 
of what was going to be brought to an end. In other words, Moses' face gradually would cease to shine. Not being in God's presence, the glory on his face would diminish, and eventually his face would go back to normal. So, each time that Moses spoke to God, Moses would remove the veil so that his face would shine again. Verse 34 of chapter 34 of Exodus. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. He would then come out and deliver God's message to the people. And then verse 34. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, then he let the people see his face, that it was shining. Verse 35. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. So he would go in, talk to God, take off the veil. His face would shine. He'd come out, deliver God's message with his face shining, and then he'd put the veil on again because his face was going to stop shining. And then he'd go in, and he would talk with God and take off the veil, and his face would shine. He'd go out and talk to the people. His face would shine. He'd put the veil back on, and it was a repeated action. If you look at verse 35. The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would, not, would put the veil over his face again, and he went in to speak with him. And so this was a repetitious uh, action on the part of Moses. Now, as we think about Jesus being the radiance of God's glory, in the New Testament, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus Jesus shows forth the glory of God. Keep your finger here. We're coming back to chapter 33. Put a bookmark. Put something there. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Now we're at the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is on the Mount with Peter and James and John. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. I'm in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. This indeed was a manifestation of the glory of God. For Luke chapter 9, verse 32, says that specifically. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became, they awoke and they saw his glory. So we have something in common here between Moses and and Jesus. Also, (coughs) like Moses, Jesus' glory was revealed so that Jesus would be heard. When Jesus was on the mount with the disciples, and they saw the glory of God in Jesus, the takeaway was this. (coughs) (coughs) The takeaway was this. Jesus was to be listened to. Matthew 17, verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold us, the bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, 
with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. And the disciples were terrified, even more than what the people were afraid of Moses when his face shone, verse 6. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. So the application is, and the main point of the Hebrews chapter 1 passage is, that we are to listen to Jesus. We are to prize his word. We are to recognize his authority. For it exceeds the authority of Moses. Moses was listened to. He was one of the prophets. But now God speaks through his son. But the emphasis of Hebrews is the superior nature of Jesus to Moses. And so we should listen even more carefully to what Jesus says. However... We're under, we are to understand that the glory of Jesus far exceeded the glory of Moses. And if you look at the passage, you're going to find out that the glory of Jesus exceeds the glory of Moses in three distinct ways. First, Jesus' glory exceeded Moses' glory in degree. If you look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, it says, He, that is Jesus, was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. So the intensity of the glory of Jesus was greater than the intensity of the glory of Moses. So he outshone Moses, if you will. The radiance was greater from Jesus than Moses. Secondly, Jesus' glory exceeded Moses' glory in extent. When Moses reflected the glory of God, it showed in his face. When Jesus effused the glory of God, it showed even in his garments, Matthew 17, 2. And when he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Again, it's to show the superiority, the, the greater degree of glory emanating from Jesus. Greater in intensity, greater in extent, not just his face, but even his very clothes shone. But most importantly, Jesus' glory far exceeded Moses' glory in kind. In kind. Now what do I mean by that? Well, the difference is that Jesus, Jesus effused the glory of God. That is, God's glory, glory radiated from Jesus. Like the rays of light that come from the sun, God's glory emanated out from Jesus. That is the emphasis of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, this, this, this phrase we're looking at. Hebrews 1, 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. Remember, Moses' face reflected the glory of God. It was kind of like a mirror, if you will. You know, you, you see those people out and they are sunbathing and they have a reflector. And, uh, you know, that silver thing that they sit there and that the sun comes down and lights on the reflector and then it reflects into their face and their face will tan. Moses was a reflector of the glory of God. Jesus 
diffused the glory of God. For Moses, it was from without. From Jesus, it was from within. He emanated the glory of God. Why was that? Why the difference? Well, the answer comes in the next phrase, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. We find out in the scriptures that the Son of God is indeed the very God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it said, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his Son. His Son. And the Son was the exact imprint of the nature of the Father. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Son of God is eternal. He was in the beginning with God. The Son of God is the Creator. If you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, But in these last days he spoke unto us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also he created the world. Also John 1, 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Son of God became the God-man. John 1, 14, the Word was made flesh. That second person of the Trinity took upon himself humanity. Jesus. And Jesus is the God-man. And John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here's the key for our thought this morning. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus radiated the glory of God from within because he was the very embodiment of God. Colossians 2.9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God. He is the embodiment of God. And so this glory flows from within. Well, what we are to understand this morning is a tremendous truth. And that is, what is the exact imprint of the nature of God? What did Jesus manifest in his glory? Well, to answer that question, we're going to go back to Exodus again. To Exodus chapter 34. And we, we want to understand what it is that this great light, this effusions, was to communicate. What was to be understood by this incredible radiant light that 
resulted from the manifestation of God's glory. What was communicated to Moses when Moses said, show me your glory? And what did God's glory actually consist? Let me sum it up for you quickly and then expound it. In short, Moses Moses saw God's grace and all the attributes that are associated with that grace. Look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Exodus 34, verse 6. This is God showing his glory to Moses. This is what Moses sees when he sees the back of God, as it were. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Key word. He saw the grace of of God. And now that's unpacked. Slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. All of that is a description of what grace is. It is long-suffering. It's slow to anger. It's abounding in steadfast love. It keeps steadfast love for thousands. Forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. He saw the grace of God. And then secondly, Moses saw the truth of God. Exodus 34, verse 7. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And now comes the truth part. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. He's going to uphold truth. He's going to demand justice. He's going to demand righteousness. He's going to punish sin and evil. So this God is glorious, for he's able to, one at the same time, demonstrate grace and truth. So what we're to see about Jesus is that Jesus is the very embodiment of God's grace and truth. Jesus is the very essence of God's character. Back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The exact imprint of his nature. Jesus was the very incarnation of grace and truth. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father full of grace and truth. That's the glory of God. Grace and truth. And Jesus was filled with that grace and truth of God. Jesus, indeed, was the full grace of God. He was the very incarnation of grace. He was grace fleshed out. In Exodus, God revealed his grace to Moses. In Jesus Christ, God's grace was not only revealed, but actually manifested in God's Son, 
who he sent into the world. John 1.17 says, For God, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God in his grace sent his son, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Christ, his willingness to die on the cross is the very expression of grace. His saying on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, is the manifestation of grace. Jesus was God's grace in the flesh. This was how God was gracious to us. He sent his son. He sent his son. And Jesus accomplished that grace, which I'll say a little bit more about in just a moment. So he was full of grace. And Jesus was full of truth. Jesus spoke the truth. John 8, 26. He said, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to you the word that I have heard from him. Jesus lived the truth. This one whom speaks on his own authority (coughs) seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. Hebrews tells us that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And Jesus died upholding the truth. He upheld and fulfilled the very justice of God. That pouring out of the wrath of God upon disobedience, Jesus bore that wrath. Jesus died on the cross in order to assume that wrath of God. Jesus manifested truth by submitting himself to what was required in order for grace to be received. Jesus is the very personification of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but my me. So Jesus is full of grace and truth. Hebrews goes on to tell us that Jesus is going to reign. And when Jesus is reign, he's, he's going to reign in grace and truth. That's what's going to make his reign so different. That's what's going to make it so wonderful. That's what's going to make it so glorious. Jesus, far superior to Moses. But Moses was a privileged individual. Moses was able to see the glory of God. He was able to see grace and truth. And Moses, as the prophet of God and as a leader of God's people, His face was not only to shine in a majestic, magnificent effusions of the glory of God, but his character was to be reflective of that very same glory, namely grace and truth. That's what Moses was to project to his people. Moses failed 
unfortunately, in that representation of God's grace and truth. Now turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. I know we're looking at a lot of scripture, but we're trying to give you the full picture of this. In Numbers chapter 20, there is an, a, an account, a rather famous account, of the children of Israel's grumbling against Moses and against God because they're in the wilderness with no water to drink. And it's the passage in which Moses smites the rock. But I want to look at it pretty carefully this morning to uh, reveal this whole aspect of grace and truth. So we start with Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to take us to this evil place? There's no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Grace and truth was revealed to them. Verse 7. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give to the congregation drink and their cattle. So here is God's grace. I will provide water from them from the rock. Verse 9, And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels! That's not the words that the gracious God had used. He never called the people of God rebels. He never found fault with their desiring water. He, in his grace, provided water. And without rebuke, without condemnation, full grace. But Moses, in his anger, and his feeling put upon in being just overwhelmed with the grumbling of the people, referred to them as rebels. It goes on to say in the end of verse 10, Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up in his hand and struck the rock with his staff. Moses was to speak to the rock, but instead, again in his anger, he smote the rock twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank in their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, 
Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. He said, Moses, you did not uphold me as holy. Moses, you hid my grace and truth from this people. You mischaracterized me. You said what I did not say, and you did what I did not tell you to do. I did not say call them rebels, and I did not say smite the rock. I said, say to the congregation, I will give you water. Speak to the rock, and it will flow. Moses did not reveal the holiness of God. Jesus reveals the holiness of God, for he is true and faithful. He is full of grace, and he is full of truth. And he always acts justly and righteously and kindly. He is the very embodiment of grace and truth. So Jesus is without sin. Jesus is without sin. So the final takeaways from this phrase. First, regarding the person of Lord Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, grace came, it says in John 1.14. Uh, excuse me, in uh, John 1.17. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We are the recipients of grace and truth through Jesus Christ. We come to know it. Jesus teaches us what grace and truth really is. Jesus helps us to understand what grace and truth is. So we come to know it. Secondly, we come to live out grace and truth. Jesus came to transform us into a people of grace and truth. In Romans 8.29 it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to become conformed to the image of his Son. Now his Son is the exact imprint of the nature of the Father, which is grace and truth and all of the attributes that are associated with grace and truth. Romans says we are saved to be conformed to that image, that image of grace and truth. How is that to be accomplished? How is that to be done? How will you and I be transformed into a people who demonstrate grace and who loves truth. How will that become a reality? Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And all we, like unveiled face, now picture the image of that, and we, all with unveiled face, taking the veil off, standing in the presence of God, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let me read that verse without interruption. And all we, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It says that as we behold the face of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we devote ourselves to the Word of God, as we are spending time with God, as we understand what grace and truth is, as we understand the beauty of grace and truth, as we understand the cost of grace and truth, as we understand what grace and truth will accomplish, as we spend time with God in his word, it will transform us into people of grace and truth. That glory is going to be reflected in us. It's not a fused from us. It's a reflection. It's outward. It comes to us. But yet, because of the Holy Spirit, there is a sense that not only will it be external as it was to Moses, but it will be internal, not to the degree of Jesus, for he is the very incarnate Son of God, but by his Spirit, he will indeed transform us into a people of grace and truth. Philippians is magnificent. It teaches us about this reflection of grace and truth. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and do with his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. By being people of grace and truth, we are lights. We are showing forth the glory of God. The beautiful, majestic, wonderful glory of God. We are going to come to fully experience grace and truth in Jesus Christ. When Christ returns, we will live in a kingdom that is the complete manifestation of God's grace and truth. He will rule in righteousness and holiness. A glorious kingdom it will be. For he is going to remove all sin and replace it with all truth. The awesomeness of that grace, the majesty of that truth, grace and truth are found in association with all of God's attributes. So that God's power is exercised in grace and truth. That's the way Jesus will rule. That is the way in which he will exercise his power, his might, his dominion. It will be in grace and truth. God's wisdom is seen in the obtaining of grace and truth. He will accomplish it. He will bring it to pass. And God's presence is manifested in grace and truth. That will be our relationship to God for all eternity. 
experiencing grace and truth. We can rejoice this morning because God sent us his son into the world. We are to listen to Jesus. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spoken unto the, unto the prophets in time past, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he pointed heir of the world, who is the radiance of his glory and the exact imprint of his nature. That's who we're invited to hear. That's who we're invited to look upon. And as we do, we experience God's grace and truth. Let's pray. Almighty God, we rejoice in the grace and truth that has come to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us in this Christmas season to reflect upon the very embodiment of grace and truth that you sent your Son in order to manifest, in order to not only declare, but to give to us, to extend to us, to shower upon us your grace and your truth. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the justice of God being upheld, who took upon himself our sin, so that indeed we could be forgiven. And that you indeed would be glorious. And we long for that day in which Jesus Christ will come again to this earth and reign in truth and grace. Give us a sense of joy this morning in anticipation of all that you have already done and will do through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Pastor Brandon's going to come and lead us.